You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. If you're listening, if you're if you're listening to the podcast, it is fr- Friday, March. Tw- I, don't, I don't even know how these dates get confused. If you're watching on YouTube, it is Thursday, March twenty fourth. If you're listening, the earliest you're listening to this is Friday. Okay, okay. So that's how it's going to go because we have made a change here at the Pick Six Podcast, uh, where we are live on YouTube every day at one o'clock. Let's say you take your lunch break at one o'clock Eastern and you want to hang out with us. We have a chat. We are, we're, it's live. You can chat with us, um, depending on who it is. And today it's Chris Trapasso and Josh Elbridge. What's up boys? How's it going? Uh, it's, it's going well. We're going to do some draft needs today. Very excited for it. Uh, if you were watching on YouTube, smash that like button, make sure and subscribe rate and review. You want to hit the alert button in case we have, I mean, I don't think we'll have any more emergency podcasts this, this offseason, but who knows? I mean, man, Tyreek Hill traded. Oh, didn't see that one coming. We could it get, happened, uh, it happened so fast yesterday. Happened so fast. I know it was very bizarre how that happened. What'd you say, Diva? We could get an emergency for Josh's former quarterback or QB two right now. Oh, uh, that's true. We'll get a Baker. We'll get a Baker. No, <laughs> Baker's getting cut or traded. Like they'll trade. They'll trade him. They signed Jacoby Brissett to be. I, I feel like he's going to end up in Seattle. That's kind of how I see it playing out. Yeah. Um, the two biggest supporters of Baker Mayfield seem to be John Dorsey, the general manager of the Browns at the time he was picked number one overall. He's now in Detroit. And then Alonzo Highsmith was a member of that front office as well. And he's with Seattle mm. as, it so, as it so happens. So um, that's why I'm led to believe that it's probably going to end up being the Seahawks when it's all said and done. That, that, that definitely checks out. Um, as Dominic points out in the chat, to be fair, it's more like one of five every day. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, I was I was doing an, another podcast. Um, well, oh, by the way, we'll also be live at three, maybe three or five p.m. today as well on Thursday afternoon. That podcast will be in the feed too. Um, we're you know we're adjusting to this this new life of of live on YouTube every day at one o'clock. So you know, what we'll probably do is Debo will start telling me it's live at twelve fifty five, and then we'll start at one. If you're if you're listening on the podcast. Leave a five-star review with a question on Apple. Uh, we could use it for a future mailbag. I also want to share a little cheat code for keeping tabs of March Madness, and that's the CBS Sports mobile app. It's not only your gateway to watching every tournament game, the best for lightning-quick college basketball scoreboards, updating brackets, expert picks, and the latest news on all the action for the men's and women's tournament. The app is free. Just search CBS Sports in your app store. And if you're like me, it will soon be your go-to sports app for everything also you can you can favorite the games you get alerts when the game starts in case you forget that the sweet 16 is on or something like that um yeah let's uh we're going to be doing team needs over the next few weeks right which means that you guys are probably going to see more of me than you would prefer but that's you know it's what it is uh the the afc draft the afc free agency grade show will be at 3 p.m today and also released in the feed as well we're going to do AFC East and NFC East draft needs today. Apropos, considering that the Miami Dolphins just um, just traded for Tyreek Hill, meaning they are probably not in the market for a wide receiver. Um, 
do you think the Chiefs now or the are the Chiefs and the Packers gonna? I know we'll get to that later, but like, I mean, the Chiefs and the Packers might be fighting in the later rounds to get wide receivers, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, even if they don't do it in like round one or or with these picks that they got in the Tyree Kill trade, they have to address that position. I think certainly Patrick Mahomes can elevate your team and and is still going to be a top tier quarterback. But Tyree Kill was kind of uh, the gas pedal in that offense. And I think to not have him all of a sudden, you're not going to probably have as many five-yard passes that turn into 70-yard touchdowns, like that crushing touchdown against my Bills in the divisional round. So, yeah, I think the Chiefs and Packers, two teams with the quarterbacks, but certainly have a huge wide receiver need at this point. That note. <laughs> Not that it's lingering or anything, right? <laughs> that crushing, soul-stabbing touchdown from Tyreek I've seen Hill. so many. I've seen so, like, oh, from yesterday, it was like that touchdown with a minute to go against the Bills <laughs> was, like, on loop. My dad called me about it. He's like, I'm sick of seeing this. I was already moved past it. And now it's like this trade out of nowhere happens. Tyreek Hill getting traded seemed preposterous a week ago or even a day ago. And then it's like, oh, let's show some more of the fourth quarter and overtime and that went against the Bills. Tough scene. Uh, maybe yeah. the Jets, Josh, could be interested in potentially drafting a wide receiver. They were in on Tyree Kill and ultimately fell short. If you are looking at the Jets and you see that they have number four and number 10 overall in the first round. this By the way, this draft is going to be so weird because I think, I mean, maybe you guys know. If, if not, don't worry about it. We can count it up like while, while Josh is talking. But the number of teams that one have two picks in the first round or more or the number of teams that don't have a first round pick like there's some there's a there's like eight or nine teams that don't even need to show up on thursday yeah i think we are at nine teams that do not have a pick in the first round so it's going to be unheard of i mean there's i think seven teams that control nearly half of the first round it's it's absurd um but the jets you know they own two of those picks at number four and number 10 overall the fact that they were in the mix for tyree kill suggests that they want some wide receiver help uh, but the fact that they were also in the mix suggests that maybe they had their eyes on other positions and they were hoping to fill that wide receiver hole through a trade as, as they tried to do. Um, so wide receivers back on the board for that team. I think you could see them go offensive tackle. There's been a lot of buzz to suggest that. Um, I would like to see them go cornerback and I wouldn't mind see them taking an edge rusher. So it's a team with a lot of very easy uh, needs, easily identifiable. So as I'm looking at this team, a couple of prospects that I really like, and I'm sure Traps is, has kind of focused in on these guys as well, but Cincinnati cornerback Ahmad Gardner, who has great length, man coverage cornerback, uh, and then Kayvon Thibodeau, the, the pass rusher from Oregon, who seems to fall later in mock drafts each and every day. Um, I still think he would be a fantastic fit for New York as they continue to build that defensive front with Quinn and Williams, um, and then a healthy uh, Carl Lawson on the other side. What say you, Traps, on that uh, the top end of the draft for the for the Jets? Yeah, just to look to see where they are. To be at four and ten, like Josh said, I think it's got to be Sauce Gardner at four. It just seems like that's going to be the prospect that's available um, when they pick after those first three selections shake out. And then at number ten, I think the guy that I've mocked the most to the Jets is Garrett Wilson. I mean, it, to have Elijah Moore, he flashed last season as a rookie. Had a nice rapport with Zach Wilson, even Mike White. Um, while Zach Wilson was out, but to add another uh, bouncy, springy type wide receiver that uh, is good after the catch, runs good routes, I think at number 10, maybe be the first wide receiver off the board. That makes a lot of sense to me. I'm not huge on Mekhi Becton, 
Uh, if they went offensive tackle, I certainly would not hate that because Zach Wilson got sacked a bunch last year. Uh, and it is a good wide receiver class. They have a bunch of picks in round two and round three. But I think Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson would make the most sense to me. If Kayvon Thibodeau's there and they love him, I would be okay with that. And I would get it because Robert Sala is a defensive-minded coach. But in the AFC, I mean, yeah, you can say, hey, like let's get a lot of pass rushers to disrupt these quarterbacks. But you also have to score a lot of points in this completely loaded AFC. So I would like them to go maybe corner at four sauce Gardner and then Garrett Wilson, or maybe Chris Olave at number 10. Okay. So sauce Gardner, I need to look at the market for this, but I want to say that sauce Gardner is like a pretty heavy favorite now to be the first cornerback drafted as he, oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I know that the general consensus is that he's sort of maybe a higher floor and, Potentially similar Feeling. ceiling to Derek Stingley, so yeah. it would I mean, it would be surprising if Stingley was the first cornerback at this point, right? Yeah, at this point, I think so. Just because of his in- injury history over the past couple of years, I mean, Stingley, when healthy, has shown that he's proven to be that top cornerback talent. But uh, the fact that he has not been on the field that much over the past two years, and Ahmad Gardner has not only been on the field but been uber productive, um, just leads me to believe that he's probably going to be the first cornerback taken. So, um, and I just, just while, uh, you know, while we, uh, you know, while we're doing this, I, w- I like to incorporate these the draft odds where we have them, uh, sauce Gardner over under eight and a half under meaning he's taken in the first eight picks over means it's nine or later under is minus minus one sixty one, So it's really juiced, but that's a stone cold lock, right? I think so. I, I don't see how he gets past the jets, the giants, uh, all those teams inside the top eight. I, I think the Jets, just because they have such a clear-cut need, they signed Marcus Williams in free agency, but really have not really addressed the corner spot. And and that was the biggest issue, I think, as much as the offensive line last year was how bad the secondary was. Uh, I, I would definitely, even with it being minus 170 or whatever you said, I would definitely go under, what, eight and a half? That seems like a lock to me. I will say one thing that could throw a wrench into all of this is where are the corner uh, the quarterbacks going to go? Yeah, uh, we might talk about a couple of those destinations, but although we do not see any of these guys as maybe top ten talents, uh, speaking for myself, I'm not going to speak for traps, but um, <laughs> I don't see any of these guys as top ten talents. But there's almost certainly going to be one taken in the top ten because that's just how it's played out over the past couple of decades in the NFL. Yeah, and you look at the teams that would potentially want a quarterback that early, like the Lions had the second overall pick and then not, nothing else until 32, which which is great, but Malik Willis, if they like Malik Willis, he's not falling to 32. You know, the Panthers have the sixth overall pick. You know, you'd love to trade down and get Kenny Pickett or or Malik Willis or whoever you like, or maybe Desmond Ritter, who they just, you know, just going to every pro day, but don't go to Desmond Ritter's pro day. I mean, what do you <laughs> – Okay, whatever. Anyway, what is that? I know. Like, although maybe it's like an obvious, uh, like a reverse smokescreen that that they're that they're like, oh, yeah, we don't like Desmond Ritter, as far as you know. Uh, they don't have a second round pick either, so it's you know, if they want a quarterback, they got to take him at six. And if you know, so I think those things are just kind of interesting to to kind of hash out. Um, I'm probably going to bet Gardner one sixty one is a lot, but it feels like eight and a half is 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 pretty good spot to be in. Plus, if you're the Jets. You know, they're not going to take a quarterback. And if you want a cornerback, don't you sort of have to go take him at four? Like you can't, you can't be like, all right, we'll take Thibodeau at four and then we'll hope that, you know, Sauce falls to us at 10. I mean, that's because he's probably not going to. 
Yeah, let me jump in here. I think Sauce Gardner could be. I mean, we don't really see a ton of teams moving up for corners, although, uh, you know, it has happened a few times recently. Sauce Gardner seems like the type of corner that you would do that for a lot of the reasons that Josh pointed out because of his man coverage ability, how big he is, he tested well, and then all the other corners like Derek Stingley and Enigma because of the injury. We don't know if he's even fully healthy. Andrew Booth from Clemson didn't work out at the Clemson Pro Day. The two Washington corners, Trent McDuffie and Kyler Gordon, ran a lot slower and were a lot smaller than people expected. So it kind of feels like Sauce Gardner is kind of alone in this top tier. And yes, if there is a team, you know, maybe just outside the top 10 that sees Gardner falling a little bit past maybe the Jets at four, he's the type that has the kind of physical profile and had kind of a super clean college season that to me indicates a team would say, hey, let's trade up a few spots and get Sauce Gardner in our secondary. Yeah, and just to, to further the quarterback point too, uh, Pete Prisco's mock draft, which came out um, right, right before the Tyreek Hill trade, uh, or maybe the day before, he has Sauce going 10 to the Jets, but that's because they took Thibodeau at four. And I would flip that. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And But he also, but to the quarterback point, he had Pickett going to the Panthers, Mm-hmm. And Malik Willis going to the Falcons at six and eight, and and the Giants, who would be the problem for Sauce, went with Icky at five and Kyle Hamilton. Which I mean, that's that's not an unrealistic scenario. No, but I but I do agree with you if you think if you're looking at the Giants and you know I mean, I guess the Giants could take Thibodeau there. I'm just sort of thinking through the pro because I mean my, my I'm going to do my mock in the next like three or four days. My first one. Um, thrilled. Uh, yeah, I've but, done. I've done yeah. 25, I think. So yeah, at this point, you guys are just like meat more, meat more. Um, I, I just, I just sort of wonder. I think if I were the, if I were the Jets, and cornerback, you don't just don't see cornerbacks going to the top five very often. But I would rather run the risk of Thibodeau dropping to ten, just because of the teams ahead of uh, ahead of me versus Sauce Gardner dropping to ten. Yes. Me yeah, too. and here's Thank another you. point to that as well. There's more edge rushers in this class than there are cornerbacks. So right. you may not get Kayvon Thibodeau, but maybe you get Georgia's Trayvon Walker. Maybe you get Florida State's Jermaine Johnson, uh, Purdue's George Karlaftis. You know, there's going to be options available if you're dead set on taking an edge rusher uh, and you miss out on Thibodeau. Whereas if you miss out on Gardner, your options are pretty much Stingley or you wait maybe until your second round pick to address that position. Okay, I dig it. Um, any... Uh... I guess you sort of answered it, but day two prospects to target. That's Josh sort of answered it. So we'll just move on. The Jets, uh, Jets ample draft picks um, as they attempt to rebuild. Can't reload if you weren't ever loaded in the first place. I guess the Jets (laughs) went to two championship games in 2009 and 2010. Uh, The Patriots, they're picking at 21 in the first round. Uh, Traps, when you look at this team, what are their biggest needs and uh, who might be a prospect fit there? Okay, I think they really need wide receiver. I just cannot see Bill Belichick picking another receiver in the first round. Nikhil Harry was a disaster. Way back in the day, Chad Jackson uh, was a first-round pick by Bill Belichick. Also was not he a first very round? I think he was a, sec- what, he a second-rounder. Was he? I thought I he was just the last pick in the first round. Anyway, he was yeah. picked super early. Bill Belichick it was, it was had like the, the third or fourth pick in the second round, but I, I'm pretty sure that Nikhil Harry is the first-ever wide receiver he took in the first maybe round. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're and right. Like, but like, to your point, like people – no one will let him forget about it because he's going over Debo Samuel, AJ Brown and DK Metcalf, which is just a horrific scouting. Now it certainly could be that obviously Tom Brady covered up a lot of flaws um, on, on offense for like 20 years for the Patriots, but it just feels like Bill Belichick 
would rather go the bargain bin, undrafted free agent, Julian Edelman type, than go with a premium pick at wide receiver. Although that is what they need. Someone like Chris Olave would do a lot for Mac Jones. Um, so maybe just late in his career, Bill, Bill Belichick kind of bucks his own trend and goes Chris Olave. I think they need linebacker. Someone like Devin Lloyd kind of feels like that bigger, longer, rangier linebacker that the Patriots have kind of gravitated toward uh, in the past. But I think at corner, after losing J.C. Jackson, Kair Elam from Florida makes the most sense in terms of a scheme fit. That that we kind of talked that it's Sauce Gardner, then a big gap, and no one really knows who the second corner is going to be off the board. Kair Elam played at Florida, uh, pretty good production, tested a lot better than people expected, and has that legitimate on an island man coverage ability that when you look at Trent McDuffie and Kyler Gordon from Washington, they played a ton of zone, Andrew Booth, a lot of zone. Uh, so it, it wouldn't surprise me if Bill Belichick says, Hey, we lost our top corner in JC Jackson. Let's get someone that's super talented and long and also has played a lot of man coverage in the sec and Kyler Elam. Yeah, I'll say, you know, traditionally, I would have agreed with you in terms of uh, what we can expect from Bill Belichick. But over the past year, uh, we've seen him kind of buck a couple of trends that he has historically stuck to. And that is he swung big in free agency last year. Uh, they moved on from a fullback this year. So maybe that's, you know, a precursor to some change to his offense. So I'm starting to think maybe he's uh, he, he's changing his, his colors here with um, some of the moves that he's made. But I did have both of those names that you mentioned on my list of potential first-round picks as well. I think Kyir Elam is a fantastic fit. Uh, Chris Olave is the other name that I had written down in the first. Um, as you're talking about day two picks, you know, you're you maybe you look at Chattanooga interior offensive lineman Cole Strange uh, because they did trade Shaq Mason to Tampa Bay. Uh, Kirby Joseph, uh, safety from Illinois, is a is, is a very smart uh, safety that I think Bill Belichick is, you know. Uh, we'll, we'll be able to trust from day one, somebody that can stay in and perform, you know, immediately for him. So those are two guys that I'm looking at as potential day two fits for that organization. I dig it. I dig it. Um, the Buffalo bills. Unless you get, unless there's anything else you guys want to talk about with the Patriots. If, by the way, Belichick takes a, a wide receiver in the first round. I know he didn't give a crap what anybody thinks about him, but like, it I mean, better work out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like if you take Chris Olave and Garrett and Garrett Wilson's awesome, in in Olave's not, and I mean that would be kind of surprising that it's it's not not going to be a great uh, great look. The uh, Buffalo Bills picking number twenty five in the first round. Traps, have you gotten used to the Bills picking late in the first round at this point? It's weird. It's weird. Sir. I mean, it, it was always Breach isn't going to know what to do on on Thursday at, at thirty one for the Bengals. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. So for me, it was always like the Bills were in like purgatory forever. They picking between like 10 and 16 or 18 for like what seemed like my whole life. So to pick like 30 last year and then 25 this year is definitely strange. I did look it up. Chad Jackson was the 36th pick uh, in that draft. So it, it, it seemed like he was a first rounder for some reason, but I was wrong on that. The bills need corner. I, I have been the biggest driver of the pick a wide receiver bandwagon, even after signing Jamison Crowder. I just think they have to get younger at that position. Jamison Williams, if he's there, I, I think would make a ton of sense. I, I don't know if they would ultimately do it, um, but being that they're in the position that they are, they're the favorites uh, on the betting market to win the Super Bowl next year. If Jamison Williams like can't play at 100% until like November, feels like given their roster makeup, especially in the wide receiver room, the Bills would be okay with that. Maybe more so than any other team. I mean, maybe outside the Chiefs, but now they have such a 
glaring need after trading Tyree Kill. They need corner too. I mean, not only did they lose Levi Wallace, but to have Tredavious White tearing his ACL on Thanksgiving weekend, he may not be 100% to start the season. Uh, and they play a lot of zone. So those Washington corners that I mentioned earlier, Trent McDuffie, Kyler Gordon. I love Andrew Booth from Clemson. I think he's super twitchy. The ball skills are tremendous. I think he could be really good in Sean McDermott's defense. And then offensive guard is still a little bit of a need. I mean, Ryan Bates is signing a restricted free agent offer sheet, which doesn't happen very often. The Bills have uh, five days to match that. If they don't, then suddenly they have a pretty good line with Roger Saffold, Deion Dawkins, Mitch Morse. Uh, but then the other guard spot is kind of vacant at this point. You can't really rely on Cody Ford anymore. So one of those three positions, wide receiver, corner, or guard in round one. If Zion Johnson from Boston College was there, I would be fine with that selection. It just feels like he's going to go a little bit earlier. Yeah, I can see how this is going to go. It's uh, whoever gets to talk first is going to steal the other one's uh, <laughs> yes. prospects that, that fit that team because I had written down was- I was just thinking, I was like, I was like, I mean, I was like, I guess I'll, I mean, I guess we'll just alternate here that way. Cause, cause if you go first, you're like, Hey, here's the good best fit. And then the other guy's like, well, screw you, bro. That's why, like, I think that's the best fit too. Yeah. So I had Trent McDuffie and I had Zion Johnson as the two names that I had written down. Um, obviously. And, and, and look, by the way, if, I mean, like if, 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 if you do have overlapping ones, there's nothing wrong, you know, make sure and mention that before offering up anybody else, just because I think, you know, if you have multiple opinions who believe that these guys are good fits that only serves to sort of bolster the idea that that could be a good prospect for them. yeah i mean it's probably more of a kiss of death than anything but That's uh, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um you know quarterback offensive guard those were the two positions that i kind of honed in on with the bills pick um you know traps went through everything obviously um as we get into day two fits i looked at dylan parm from memphis as a guy that could possibly slide into that interior offensive line um, and then the other guy that I had was Martin Emerson, a cornerback from Mississippi State. So same wavelength, um, you know, both targeting the same positions. You get one in the first round. Maybe you come back and get the other position on day two. I'll throw in two more names quick because we got to do more time on the Bills because it's it's me on this podcast. <laughs> Roger McCreary from <laughs> Auburn in round two. Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which So I'm going to really milk this as long as I can with the Bills <laughs> being Super Bowl favorites. Roger McCreary, the cornerback from Auburn, to me has first-round film. He's got like super short arms, under 30 inches, which is almost unheard of. And he ran 4-5-0 at the combine. I think people thought he was a little faster. But you watch him even against Jamar Chase in 2019, the Alabama receivers the past couple of years, always put up a really good fight. I think, like Josh said, if they go wide receiver or guard in the round one, Corner in round two will be a gigantic need on day two. And the the other player I have to mention, because he's probably my favorite, like under the radar prospect in the entire class, Sky Moore from Western Michigan. I'm a huge fan of his. The Bills actually, despite having such a good offense last year, last two years, finished with the second fewest yards after the catch per reception last year. Only the Dolphins had a lower average yards after the catch per per reception. A little bit of it was scheme-based. And But with Cole Beasley and even Stephon Diggs, who's pretty agile, they just were not creating a lot of extra yardage for Josh Allen. Sky Moore is really good in that area. And that's even if they don't go Sky Moore, I think as the Bills come up in the first round, second and third, we should kind of lean toward receivers that can create with the ball in their hands because I think that's the one kind of layer of the Bills offense that needs to improve. I dig it. The Miami Dolphins suddenly much, much less exciting when it comes to talking about the draft uh, than yeah. they were 24 hours ago or 
And by the way, we talked about this on the, um, I think we talked about this in the podcast. Yeah. I think, yeah. Jordan, me, me, Dijani and Sully talked about this on the pod, but like to your point traps that the, I I've never seen a trade unfold that way where, you know, there's an initial report that's like Tyreek Hill is a candidate to be moved. And you're like, Oh, well, you know, this is a little spicy. This is going to really ruin my the next 48 hours. Like we're going to have to, um, we're going to have to, you know, we have to, it was done in 45 minutes. Yeah, and then it was like Schefter's like, this is going to happen soon. It was like, it's either the Dolphins or the Jets. And it's like, and it's the Dolphins. It's like, whoa, 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 what? I was like spinning out of control here. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty wild. Um, but the Dolphins now have uh, no first round pick as a result. They gave up because they they man that they really got out of hand. So they give up basically two first round picks for Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, which is not, I mean, not insane, but. The number 29 went to Jalen Waddle, and then the, the Eagles picked up the other one uh, or last offseason. So I guess I'll just generally ask you, Josh, and you're sort of getting screwed here because of the prospect fits. You can't use any first-rounders. Uh, what do you think the Dolphins' strategy should be, and, and where do, what do they need help with? Yeah, so I'm still looking at the uh, interior of both sides of the ball. I'm looking at defensive tackle, linebacker on defense. I'm looking at center on the other side of the ball. Uh, you know, they signed Teron Armstead in addition to trading for Tyree Kill. So you're kind of starting to see the pieces come together. They've also signed Connor Williams um, in free agency. So there's some pieces to that offensive line coming together. Um, now they need a center and they need some some pieces on the other side of the ball. Uh, so in the day two prospects that I'm kind of looking at, Matthew Butler, a defensive tackle from Tennessee, a guy that just jumps off the snap. Um, first step quickness is amazing. He's in the backfield before you know it. Uh, and then Nebraska center Cam Jurgens, who uh, has his own beef jerky line, as we found out at the NFL Combine, uh, was a media darling. Everybody loved him. And he just blew up the testing in Indianapolis. And his tape is fantastic. I mean, he's a former tight end. He's still developing. But when you look at the traits that he has athletically, um, he's a guy that has high upside, and I think somebody is going to take a chance on him on day two. So those are two guys um, that I'm looking at. And it's not even day two for Miami because they don't even pick until, nope. I think, yeah. like 86 or something like that. So 102, I think. I just looked. 102, 102. that's right. Because yeah. exactly. they gave up their first and second round pick Correct. for Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Yep. Hey, let me ask you this. Do you guys think um, – I mean, yeah, I mean – it's not, I guess it's not, it's sort of draft centric, but what did you think about the compensation for Tyreek Hill? Cause I, my initial thought was that it was kind of light for, for Tyreek. I've seen, I know Mike McClure works at Sportsline, uh, friend of the pod. Uh, and, 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 but like he, he's pointing out like a bunch of Chiefs fans are like, this is a, this is a great deal for us. We got, we got capital back and we got to unload Tyreek Hill. I'm like, what? huh? What are you talking about? I think it's, it's probably a fair deal because you see some people saying, oh, it was great for the Dolphins. You see some people saying, oh, it was great for the Chiefs. So the reality is it's probably somewhere in the middle. Um, I tend to favor the side of not having to pay $28 million a year to a 28-year-old million or a 28 year old, uh, wide receiver. Um, at this stage in his career, you know, going from Patrick Mahomes to, to a Tonga Vailoa is a bit of a gamble. Uh, and I personally would not have taken it, but you know, they're a team that sees all these other AFC teams making moves and they felt like they had to uh, do something rash themselves. Oh, NFL teams, boy, you just don't care. Do you, I mean, they just don't care. It's like, we got to go in with the dolphins. It's like, maybe just take it down a notch. Um, all right. Anybody, anything else on the, uh, the dolphins 
Well, I will say the scoreboard's one to one because uh, Josh just stole Cam Jurgens, my pick for the Dolphins on day two. But I'll throw one back at Josh. What about Luke Fortner from your Kentucky program at the mm. center spot? I mean, looking at Connor Williams, Teron Armstead, that's great. Robert Hunt's been a pretty serviceable right guard. Uh, but I still think to have Michael Dieter and Liam Eichenberg at center and right tackle is a little bit concerning, especially given that Tua is not that great of an athlete. He's not an improviser that's going to make crazy throws on the run. Luke Fortner started a bunch of games at Kentucky. Josh can tell you a lot more about him than I can. Uh, and I think linebacker is still kind of a need. Troy Anderson from Montana State. I know Josh was on him early. I, I got around to his film. This guy was a quarterback like a scrambling quarterback that I believe won his conferences like offensive player of the year, then immediately flipped to linebacker and won defensive player of the year. I think the Dolphins do still need some athleticism in that front seven. Even though they have Jerome Baker, they they do have some pieces, but I, if they don't go interior offensive line with someone like Cam Jurgens or Luke Fortner, I think uh, someone like Troy Anderson to add more range and coverage ability to that linebacker group especially playing in this wide open AFC with all the weapons and all the quarterbacks would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Fortner's a very smart guy. He's got a background uh, studying engineering. He's got a couple degrees to his name, uh, former guard. He's played center. He's got a lot of experience in the sec. So uh, a guy that's got multi-positional flexibility for a team that drafts him. Uh, one thing that you kind of noted on there is the prospects that are making a transition from one position to another. And there's a lot of those converts in this draft class you're you know you're talking about Armani Rogers uh former quarterback at Ohio and he's projected to, to move to tight end uh Jelani Woods um is another guy that made a transition you've got Bernard Raymond at Central Michigan a former tight end Cam Jurgens, I already mentioned um you know you talked about Troy Anderson uh Jared Bernhardt from Ferris State is a former quarterback that's that's going to be making a transition at the next level so Lots of these guys that have played other positions at the collegiate level um, and are going to be trying something new at the next level. It's, it's going to be very interesting to see how some of these teams view prospects that have zero tape whatsoever, some of the positions that they're projected to play in the NFL. All right. Great stuff on the AFC East. We have another division to take care of. I mean, very timely too. You guys are clipping it right along very nicely. Um, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll do the NFC East. The Cowboys draft, we'll tell you next. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So, the I think the, uh, the, we'll go with the Giants first. Um, the NFC East is, I mean, you talk about a division that's going to be discussed heavily on early on in the draft. I mean, would they have, but God, are we talking about like, are we talking about like with the jets plus the giants plus the Eagles? Are we talking about like eight of the first 12 picks here or something like that? It's crazy because the Eagles they have, have the NFC East has seven picks in the first round. Oh man. Debo a lot. Debo, of course, Debo did NFC East first. Got to talk about the Eagles, uh, but we'll start with the giants. And look at the Giants with the number five and number seven overall picks in the first round. Um, acquired one of those via the trade with the Bears, where the Bears came up to get Justin Fields. And then the Giants moved down and got Kadarius Tony, but only because the uh, Eagles jumped them, leapfrogged them to steal Devontae Smith. Whole, whole thing back there. Uh, Josh, what do, uh, what kind of, what, what, what fits, what needs do the Giants have and, uh, and who might be a fit for them with five and seven? It's a very similar conversation to what we had with the Jets. Uh, you're looking at cornerback. You're looking at edge rusher. You're looking at possibly offensive tackle um, opposite of Andrew Thomas. Um, New York has been a team that has been commonly linked to offensive tackle throughout the pre-draft process. Uh, they did they did go out and they signed Mark Lewinsky. So, you know, you added some interior help there. But to possibly pursue an, an Evan Neal from Alabama or Charles Cross from Mississippi State or, or your guy, um, Iki Aquanu from NC State, you know, maybe those guys are options. We've already talked about the cornerback and the edge rusher options. But one thing that's very interesting with the Giants, and you guys kind of alluded to this earlier, is the strategy that goes into it. Yeah. Because you've got number five, you've got number seven, there's one pick in between, and that's held by the Carolina Panthers. So if you're looking at what Carolina may need at number six overall, and you're torn between a couple of players, Take the player you don't think Carolina is going to take at number six overall, and then your guy's probably still going to be sitting on the board for you at number seven. So there's going to be a little gamesmanship as, as uh, you know, New York makes their their first pick with the new regime. Well, let's not forget, too, that this re- that this regime is not Dave Gettleman, which means I guess Dave Gettleman, you know, they got the pick by trading down, but it took a it took an absolute absurd haul for Dave Gettleman to finally agree to trade down for the first time in his history as a general manager. Uh, Joe Schoen, I would think, or Joe Shane, sorry, would be a lot more um, likely to trade down, uh, given that the Giants have to think that they're, you know, a little, you know, they're not. I mean, like they, they could contend for a playoff berth in a really weak NFC if things really break their way. Daniel Jones has a big season, et cetera, um, but. You know, I do think the Giants look at this like, well, you know, we could use more assets. Like, there'd be nothing wrong with getting more assets. And if a team likes Kenny Pickett or likes Malik Willis, and either of those guys falls to five, pretty good spot for them to be able to trade out because the Carolina Panthers are such an obvious landing spot for quarterback, particularly if Jimmy G stays in Seattle and, and Baker goes to – I mean, if Jimmy G, Jimmy G stays in San Francisco and Baker goes to Seattle. Um, you know, and, and if you're the Giants, you still have that pick at seven. So you, you're more than willing to let somebody snipe the Panthers, trade down. You're going to get a guy in two picks anyway. Um, what concern traps? What what like if you're the if you're Joe Shane, and you're not trading down? I mean, do you think are you planning on the Panthers going with quarterback? Are you planning on 
you know, uh, or do you think the, or do you say, all right, you know, the Panthers are like, Panthers are acting like they're going to go quarterback. They're clearly going to take, you know, Evan Neal or Icky or whoever's there, or, you know, like we'll, we'll take the lineman and then we'll gamble on Kyle Hamilton at seven. You know, what, 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 I was curious the strategy as well there. Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly would be exploring all trade down options at five because it, it's, I don't know what team would want to trade up. Maybe the Seahawks to get Malik Willis from nine to five wouldn't be a huge haul. Uh, but if I couldn't trade down to me, it needs to be Kayvon Thibodeau at five and or any of the offensive tackles, whether it's Icky, whether it's Charles Cross or if Evan Neal is there. I think, you know, wide receiver, they have the 36th pick at, uh, at the top of the second round. The Giants could add more for Daniel Jones or to me, who is going to be the next quarterback in 2023, a rookie. Uh, you can do that there with a lot more value than probably what you would get at a receiver position at, at five or seven. So it's assuming Aiden Hutchinson is getting close to being a lock to go number one overall. I think Kayvon Thibodeau would make a lot of sense. They need more edge rusher help and you need a quality right tackle. Like Josh said, opposite Andrew Thomas. I, I like Kyle Hamilton. I like Derek Stingley, but it just feels like those two positions and, and specifically Kayvon Thibodeau is the type of uh, edge rusher that Joe Shane, having spent his time in Buffalo, they just picked Gregory Rousseau, who's kind of like a physical specimen, but not completely polished. I think he will gravitate toward that type of player. If they pick Kyle Hamilton, I won't think it's the worst selection in round one, but it, to me, it's got to be edge rusher offensive tackle with those first two picks. All right. Um, anything else with the Giants? Uh, the Giants are fascinating because we we don't know. I mean, we, we sort of know how Joe Shane might operate because we've seen – like they've they've acted very Joe Shane and, and Dable Brian Dable have acted very similarly to Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. So for like yeah, move together, bring guys that you know, sign cheap offensive linemen. So I think that sort of informs our thinking. The quarterbacks, uh, somebody in the chat, uh, Jalen LeGrant, um, put uh, said that I'm telling y'all, oh Giants are sneaky quarterback pick. I'm telling y'all. Mm. That would be an awesome smokescreen if they go this whole time and no one's really brought up the fact that they could pick a quarterback. I would pick a quarterback. I would pick Malik Willis. If, if I was Brian Dable, having spent time with Josh Allen the last four years, I would say, hey, yep, yep, we're going to pick Daniel Jones. And then just at five right in front of the Panthers, crush the soul of Matt Rule and pick Malik Willis right in front of him. That would be a tough scene. And then within the and, Panthers, is panic pick Kenny Pickett, obviously. Yes. Um, one thing, I, I view the Giants as a team at 36 – uh, overall in round two, that would make a lot of sense for David Ojabo, that if he falls because of the oh, yeah, Achilles, yeah. just first year of a new regime, they can wait half a season, a full season for someone and say, hey, look, just get healthy for 2023. We want you to be, you know, you and Aziz Ojulari be our, our two young, speedy, bendy edge rushers. That Like that seems like a team that would be interested in making that selection kind of at the beginning of this quasi-rebuilding process. All right. One thing I've got, um, and Traps, this is for you, so <laughs> I don't want to catch you mid-drink there, but, um, you know, with Joe Shane coming over to New York, I mean, is there anything that you would tell Giants fans about how Brandon Bean has handled the draft, any positional value, tips or anything that you – Yeah, I already mentioned it, that with Josh Allen, Tremaine Edmonds, Gregory Russo, and Spencer Brown, the Bills definitely during the Brandon Bean-Joe Shane era – we're willing to gamble on like raw freaky athletes that were kind of boomer bust. Like, okay. like I was not a fan of the Gregory Russo pick because I thought they were, they should have been more in win now mode last season. 
but Rousseau was all about upside. So was Josh Allen. So was Tremaine Edmonds being 19 years old when he was picked or whatever it was. So that's like the one overarching thing that I would say that um, beyond him understanding that, hey, you got to have a good offensive line in front of your quarterback, good receivers. It's just that they were willing to gamble on those boomer bust prospects that had high upside. That is – so who fits the mold? That's why I said Kayvon Thibodeau because I, I don't think he's crazy polished. But if there's someone where you're like, hey, in three years he could be Miles Garrett 2.0, it's Kayvon Thibodeau. So that's why I, I think Joe Shane would kind of lean in that direction. Wouldn't um, Icky and Evan Neal also probably qualify? Not that they're necessarily yes. busty, but just – I probably shouldn't call Evan Neal too. Evan um, Neal would be the guy just being a little a bigger than Icky. Prospect. But not busty <laughs> in, in any definition of that term. Um, but yeah, I, I would say Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau would fit that mold. Maybe Icky too, because he's such a good athlete, but yeah. that's definitely something that the bills liked uh, relatively early in the draft over the last three or four years. And I guess they haven't really, I mean, obviously they, they got Poirier and Hyde through free agency. So I don't, we don't, I don't know how much that informs us of like their possible interest in Kyle Hamilton, you know, because mm-hmm. it, it may be a situation where they say like this, this guy could be cheap. He can be like the back end. Cause I mean, clearly safety is important to the, to the, to the, or is important to the current bills regime. I mean, I would assume you, t- typically speaking when you have, you know, Joe Shane, uh, you know, came out, came up from under Brandon Bean. I mean, you know, they're going to operate in pretty similar fashion. Like you're going to, you know, it's, He'll have different ideas, of course, and different methods. But typically speaking, you're going to operate in, in, a, in something close. So I just sort of wonder. Like, I think that safety question is intriguing. I guess is what I'm saying. Like, yeah. do they do they view that position so importantly that they're willing to invest a top ten pick in Kyle Hamilton, and and be able to let him become you know whatever Poyer and um and 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 Hyde are, or or do they feel like they they want to have veteran help there? Yeah, that's a good, it's kind of hard to peg. Uh, I certainly think that Joe Shane understands the importance of not only having two good safeties, but Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, like literally play both positions. They're not one of them is a free safety. They play strong safety. They do everything. That's what Kyle Hamilton can bring to your defense. But like you mentioned, Jordan Poyer was a, a, a low level free agent signing who was a seventh round pick. Micah Hyde was a fifth round pick. There also is a school of thought that Joe Shane would say, Hey, look, like it's more of the scheme. Um, let's just plug in, like you said, veterans or maybe later round picks to kind of fit a specific role as opposed to getting that blue chip guy inside the top 10. Okay. Interesting discussion. These, these, I mean, I hope you guys are ready to talk about like for the next like six weeks, talk about on radio hits in print on podcasts, talk about like five teams. <laughs> Cause it's, I mean, that's New York football giant, teams, yeah. the giants, York the jets, teams. the Eagles, Oh my God, the usual suspects are always picking up top because they're terrible. Speaking of which, the Commanders picking number 11, number 11 in the first round. Um, I see here that we have listed Traps quarterback as a possible need. I don't disagree with that. I mean, they have a guy with, I mean, they don't have a quarterback on the roster. <laughs> oh, that's the wrong button. What was that? What was, it? What was that? I'm going to play that again. What was that? Oh, it's a stupid Bengals theme song. Um, anyway, <laughs> oh, I'll dunk on myself. Go Tar Heels. <laughs> Tar Heels need to not win this weekend. Um, or Friday night, I guess. Uh, all right, so what do you think? Need? I mean, realistically, they're not taking a quarterback at 11. We can say they need a quarterback all we want, right? Josh, face, I don't think they so. Take, would they take Malik Willis and let him sit behind Carson Wentz? 
I mean, Gosh. I don't think it's out of the question whatsoever. Uh, okay. You know, I I think they're a very desperate team. I think that was very obvious based on the trade for Carson Wentz. Um, you know, based on the timing, it was a pretty poor decision. And I know Debo would probably argue with that. But um, I wouldn't have traded for Carson Wentz when they did, personally. Uh, they could have gotten a probably equal or better option later for less draft compensation and less money. Um and maybe I would have taken a shot on one of these quarterbacks, but, you know, I might have just punted and taken a quarterback next year as well. So um, I think it's I, – I don't think it's it's out of the question that they take a quarterback. And Malik Willis, you know, you look at what Ron Rivera had in Carolina. I mean, Malik Willis, you never know. Yeah. Yeah, you can uh, – you yeah, hey, look, if you can put Malik Willis behind Carson Wentz and then you have, you know, two – uh, mobile quarterbacks who you know need to refine their arm strength, their arm, their accuracy, and their arm strength, and cut down on possible mistakes. Yeah, I mean, you got perfect, perfect combination. I think it actually would be like par for the course for the Commanders, and I hope EK is not listening to this to like trade as much as this podcast like a year and a half ago. Don't worry about it. To to um, trade as much as they did for Carson Wentz and still give him and and, and honor his huge contract that he got with the Colts. Um, and then pick a quarterback right in front of him and just they had the big press conference where he's wearing like the burgundy suit with the yellow shirt under it and then be like, oh, yeah, a month later, we're picking a quarterback that to me would be would align with what we've seen happen with that organization. I think this has to be wide receiver um, for as much as I agree with Josh, I would not have hitched my wagon to Carson Wentz, um, whether it be Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave. It seems like the value fits here, like at pick number 11. We have offensive guard listed and linebacker listed as a team need. I don't really know if there's anyone available. Maybe Nicobe Dean, but they just picked Jamin Davis in last year's first round. So just pick a wide receiver here to finally give Terry McLaurin a running mate and just hope he can elevate Carson Wentz enough to, you know, maybe eight or nine wins, which similar to a few years ago in the NFC East, that could ultimately win this division. Here's my one pushback with the you've already got this sunk cost in a quarterback um, Carson Wentz point, that, point that I've heard so often. Uh, and it's the same that applies to Carolina. But if you fix the quarterback position, no one's going to care if you gave up a second round pick, a third round pick. You know, just That's get right. it fixed. Uh, best, Arizona best, did best that. Example, with, best example is the Seattle Seahawks. Well, yeah. before, you know, they paid a ton of money to Matt Flynn and nobody flinched once. Yeah, got Russell Wilson. Arizona. I mean, Josh Rosen to Kyler Murray. Like, you're yeah. going to take some heat in the moment, but if it works out, who cares? Yeah. If yeah. you be- if you believe Malik Willis can be a special franchise altering prospect, and he's there at 11, you have to you have to take him. It, even if you traded a first round pick for Carson Wentz, the, the, the Rosen Kyler Murray example is even better than the example that I thought was the best. Um, the Madness continues. Don't miss a moment of the action on CBS, TBS, TNT, and True TV. Download the March Madness live app to watch every game anywhere, anytime, live. Sweet 16 Elite 8 coming up. Make sure you are on that app so you can watch it anywhere, anytime. The Eagles. Josh. Oh, we didn't really do a day two prospect for the commanders. I don't, I don't care about the commanders. I'm over them. Um, see, But it does seem like 11 is kind of a... Like, I really am over this team. Like, I don't care about this team at all because it's a stupid name. Like, I like WFT, and now it's, it's me too. Sure. I do um, The uh, but like, it it does it does feel like eleven is where it starts to get a little no man's landy. It does maybe right? maybe. I mean, if we do see two quarterbacks in the top ten, then you know suddenly the door is creaked open a little bit. But yeah, that's yeah, true. that's certainly a possibility. There could be a little bit of a drop off at that point. 
Um, day two prospects that we might consider, Auburn's Roger McCreary, uh, the cornerback that Traps talked about earlier, uh, Penn State safety Jaquan Brisker, um, you know, really rangy players, made a lot of plays on the ball over the past couple of years. So um, two guys that could possibly be in the mix for Washington on day two. Okay. Um, Eagles, Josh, have three picks, 15, 16, and 19. Debo's going to be a busy little bee on middle of the uh, middle of that first round. Well, what do you see their needs as? And I mean, this how Howie Roseman attacks this will be really interesting too, because we talked about this a little bit uh, earlier in the week. You know, some people or Debo mentioned this, like some Eagles fans, like want them to trade up and go get somebody. But it's like if you trade up, you might have to give. Like, you, you don't want to trade in the. I wouldn't want to trade in the top ten in this particular right. draft to give and give up two first rounders. Like I want to sit back. I feel like you can borderline change the direction of your franchise with three with these with three top 20 picks in in a draft that is structured this way. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you're you've got three darts, throw it on the board, hope you get three bullseyes. Um that's what you're hoping to come away with. In my mock draft this morning, I had them taking uh Devontae Wyatt, the defensive tackle from Georgia, uh and I believe it I'm I'm fairly certain it was an edge rusher. I think it was Florida State's Jermaine Johnson, and I know they just picked up Hassan Reddick, but you're talking about a couple of guys that could come in and be, you know, the future Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox of that defense. I think when you look at this roster, if you can kind of replace some of those aged assets and um, have a building, uh, you know, a, a bridge to the future, I think that's an, an enviable outcome for this Philadelphia team. Um, and then you look at a couple other positions of need, linebacker, wide receiver. Uh, both of those are unorthodox when you typically talk about Philadelphia because, as it has been pointed out by numerous Eagles fans over the past couple of years, they don't take linebackers in the first round. They just don't value them in that capacity. But I think they've finally broken their, their – they've reached their breaking point, uh, and they may actually consider a linebacker in the first round. So you're talking about Devin Lloyd from Utah and the Kobe Dean from Georgia. And then wide receiver. You know, Are you going to go back to the wide receiver well after taking two in the first round in recent years? I think they probably could. I don't know if they should, just based on the way the offense is structured. Maybe I would wait until day two. But those are the primary needs that I look at for this team. And then cornerback um, safety as well. So for me, the Eagles are, you know, we were talking about turning points. The commander's at number 11. Does that kind of where the, you know, first round gets a little hazy? With having those first or those three selections, 15, 16, and 19, it seems like that's around where Derek Stingley is ultimately going to go. I think that would be a tremendous fit for them. But it would it's interesting because if the Eagles pass on Derek Stingley three times, I think that would raise a huge red flag to the teams picking at 20 and beyond that initially would be so happy and ecstatic that hey, Derek Stingley's still available. We can't believe it. This was a, you know, a guy that was mocked inside the top 5 until he got injured. I think Derek Stingley, Andrew Booth, the Washington corners that we've talked about at length any of the edge rushers, I'm a little lower on Jermaine Johnson than most people, but it does seem like he is going to be, you know, a, a top half of the first round selection. I'm fine even with Josh uh, Sweat there on that defensive line for the Eagles to go in that direction. And I agree with Josh. I would not pick a wide receiver. Um, not that Jalen Rager's been amazing. Devontae Smith had an encouraging rookie season, but just wait in this draft. Second or third round, pick a wide receiver there to add. For Jalen Hurts, I, I really am leaning toward corner, and I think Lewis uh, seen from Georgia because of the combine that he had, like jump forty inches, eleven foot broad jump, uh, very hard hitter, but also good 
and coverage seems like he would make a lot of sense for that Eagles defense as well. It wasn't really that good of a secondary last year. And for as much as I'm for them trying to build around Jalen Hurts, I would actually like them to go more defense, like Josh mentioned, in his mock um, in the first round with these three picks. I dig it. Uh, Debo, do you want to weigh in on uh, your thoughts here on on the Eagles, Eagles chatter here? Yeah, I uh, want a linebacker, someone in the secondary, and then I would probably go with a receiver with that third pick, depending on how things shake out. Um, I would not be against that. My whole thing, like they've never had three first-round picks. So if it was one first-round pick, I'm not going wide receiver again. But with three there, if one of the, the top guys is available at 15, 16, or 19, I'd go for that and then go back to the well in a later round. So I am not against a receiver I get Josh's reasoning for the edge and and defensive line, but that's probably a little bit lower down my list now because of that Reddick signing. But wouldn't it be completely upset if if someone fell in their lap there? Well, that's under the assumption they're going to sign Tyron Matthew. I can't even I can't even say it anymore without hearing breach. Tyron Matthew um, and 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 Patrick Peterson, of course. I was I was I was on this. I was on this. Other, I was on a podcast that would be out like next week or something like that. But it was, it's uh, it's like not a CBS podcast. And like I was about to, I was being asked about free agency, and I almost hit the the button because I was like, and it, but then <laughs> even and then I was like, oh wait, I, I, that joke won't land. Um, I, and I was almost like, you know, Tyron Matthew. I almost said, like I almost said it. I, I just call him Honey Badger because I can't. I it screwed me up. <laughs> Tyron Matthew. Like it's a problem. <laughs> So I just say, honey, man. yeah, traps. I'd be extremely upset if three times the Eagles passed on Stingley and he was there. Uh, maybe they would have a reason for it, but that would cause a complete uproar. Indeed, yeah. Okay. Philly Sports Radio would be pretty awesome the next day. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm. It's worth it for the Philly Sports Radio. Anytime you can get yeah, an sure. absolute meltdown in Philadelphia, I am here for it. Moving on. The Dallas Cowboys, our final team in this show, uh, picking number 24 in the first round. Traps, uh, what do you see as the Cowboys team needs and who could be a good fit for them at 24? Defensive line, especially after what happened with Randy Gregory. Uh, either of the Georgia guys, Devontae Wyatt, who Josh said earlier for the Eagles, uh, he would make a lot of sense at 24. Uh, George Karloff is from Purdue, Josh's guy. I think that's kind of where he feels like he'll ultimately go and, and be maybe the, the, the fourth or the fifth edge rusher off the board. Very pro ready. And I have a question for you, Will. Like, where is Jordan Davis going to go? Like, where do the odds, like, I haven't checked recently because oh, yeah. it's like after the combine, everyone's like, this is a top 10 pick, top 15 because he's he tested so well. But then, like, every week that I do these mocks, I'm like, where is he going to go? Baltimore at 14, but they feel like they have bigger needs. Uh, it almost has felt like Jordan Davis's buzz has kind of worn off a little bit. Um, so if if the Cowboys wanted to add some more beef and just, you know, athleticism, I would be fine, actually, with Jordan Davis here, although I would typically say and advocate for picking a nose tackle outside of the first round. If he goes here to the Cowboys, a playoff team that needs defensive tackle, I'd be okay with it. So uh, let me see if I can find Davis. I don't know if he's, he has a draft. Um, I don't know if they have it. He has an over-under. He's seen. very hard to peg. Well, and that's probably why. The, the, the sports books are slow playing the crap. I think they got blistered in the last two years on these draft props. They're sort of slow playing it by, in terms of getting them out. Um, 
I'm just looking over it. Uh, like he's not going to the Chargers at 17. They they draft or they signed a bunch of defensive tackles in free agency. That Saints, Philly, probably not after re-signing Fletcher Cox. I don't it know. It feels Philly, like Philly, there was a buzz for Jordan Davis. Philly with most three picks go. makes sense, if, especially if you think Fletcher Cox is a one and one and done at this point. You know, true. Like. You got those three picks there. You can just, I mean, Jordan Davis is just a dude. Like, uh, I don't, you hate to call him a unicorn because he's so, but I mean, because he's so big, but I mean, he is, you know, like, it doesn't seem like a unicorn type, you know? It's like, a, he seems more like a, like a, a, like a, it's like a giant Sasquatch. Sasquatch. There you go. That's perfect. That's exactly what I was looking for. Um, yeah. I mean, I think Belichick was asked about him at the Georgia Pro Day. It was like, I mean, he's not. <laughs> he's not falling. So one of those coaches was asked about him on a good team. Was it Belichick? I don't, I don't know. I hear it. Oh, no, no. You know, it was, it was, uh, it was Mike Tomlin. I think Mike Tomlin was asked about some prospect recently. It was like, that would make sense. I've seen a lot of Mike Tomlin at pro days over the last couple of days. So it, it probably Mike Tomlin's been, him. he's been, he's been oh, making yeah. the rounds and he's got a smile every single day. Everybody's trying to associate that with an individual prospect. I think he's just having fun with it all. Oh, yeah, here How it much is. do you guys think for for pro days that it's these coaches and GMs just getting together, standing around, and like that's where they do a lot of what we're doing, trying to figure out who's going to go where, as opposed to like watching and taking oh, uh, yeah, ample they're, they're, notes yeah. on a player. It, it's oh, yeah, all just a gossip, right? That's what it oh, is. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. That's all they're doing is chatting it up. Uh, yeah. Uh, so Tomlin was asked about Jordan Davis by a, I think it's a local like. Pittsburgh. Oh no, it was the SEC on CBS guy. So it was the ESPN guy. I don't. I can't recognize who, who that is though. Um, and he was like, "You're like, what do you think about Jordan Davis?" He's like, "I'm in the Jordan Davis camp, regardless." And and then said, "Well, do you think we could see Davis in a Steelers uniform?" And he said, "I doubt it. He may have hugged. He may have hugged Goodell by then." And the way oh. he said it was like, because I remember seeing the clip, and you're like, "Oh, like in other words, the Steelers would take Jordan Davis in a heartbeat if he was there." So I think top twenty pick. To probably top 15 pick. Um, Debo, would you want the Eagles to draft Jordan Davis at 15? You may, have answered, would, you may have said that and I just didn't listen. No, it wasn't on my list, but I would definitely support that. Yeah, I think, I, I just think he's such a, I mean, he's not Aaron Donald, obviously. He's a different dude. Right. We think he can play three downs in the NFL level unless teams are just running complete no huddle. And really, nobody can do that. Um, Fletcher Cox will not be around for the next four years. He might, like you said, might not be around for the next two. So, yeah. Yeah. And at the very least, if you fashion yourself a playoff caliber team, if you're the Eagles, you know, you can keep Fletcher Cox healthy and fresh by you know rotating in Jordan Davis there. Shoot, play him side by side and just good luck. Um, I think Houston is a sleeper too with a second, a second first round pick now. Okay. What, uh, wait, where's their, what's their second? 13 from Cleveland. Ah, Cleveland had the 13th pick. Mm-hmm. Man, rough season for the Browns. I mean, if, I just anecdotally, I would not have thought 13. I would have thought like 17 or something. Um, okay. Uh, any uh, day two picks for the Cowboys? Did we already cover that? I have my head spinning. I don't know what's going on. Uh, Cowboys, I like Majay Sanders for them. He kind of reminds me of Randy Gregory, that he's this taller, bendier, lightweight edge rusher. He just uh, showed up at the Cincinnati Pro Day 
back like close to 250 after being 228 at the combine. Apparently he was sick the week in Indianapolis. I think the food's good in, in Indianapolis, so I don't know what happened uh, with Maje Sanders. But if they were so hard-pressed to re-sign Randy Gregory, he was kind of their reclamation project. Maje Sanders would make a lot of sense. Cameron Thomas, another one from San Diego State, if they want to address the edge rusher spot opposite Demarcus Lawrence, who's getting up there in age. And then linebacker to – even though they re-signed Leighton Van Der Esch, it was only a one-year deal. Someone with a lot of athleticism and range, Christian Harris from Alabama, I think would make a lot of sense for them. And maybe, you know, they sprinkle in wide receiver after losing Amari Cooper and Cedric Wilson in free agency and via a trade. Yeah, I'll just run through a list real quick. Traps kind of touched on a few of them in the first round. I had George Karloftis, who, again, it just feels like that's probably the range he's going to go. Uh, Nicobe Dean, the linebacker from Georgia, I think would be – a great pairing with Micah Parsons there because Parsons is, you know, quick twitch. He's going to shoot gaps. He's going to get in the backfield. And the Kobe Dean, um, on the other hand, is a guy that, you know, has a lot of quick twitch nature, but he's also a guy that's willing to do the dirty work. He's going to take on blocks and do the stuff that maybe Micah Parsons would not. So um, I think they would be a great pairing. And then when you get into day two prospects, um, I had Sam Williams, an edge rusher from Ole Miss. Uh, he's got a lot of ability. Um, I struggle with his inconsistency and some of the off-field concerns, um, but Dallas has not strayed from those types in the past. And then Jalen Tolbert, you know, you lose Cedric Wilson, you lose Amari Cooper, uh, Michael Gallup is coming back from an injury. So suddenly you look at that wide receiver room, and even after signing James Washington, you're saying maybe they need a little bit more in there. So Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama. Is oh, a man, guy I love Tolbert's a stud. Like yeah, and you know he's he's similar. He's gonna go round to, two. Yeah, yeah, similar mold to Amari Cooper. You know, kind of the the bigger body type guys. So, you know, maybe that's an option for them on day two. And I want to just look really quick at Michael Gallup's contract because, yeah, there's an out after two years, basically, like an easy out where they just have six million dollars in dead cap space. Like he's gonna be on that team for two years, and they they structured it because they wanted to have a low cap hit this year, but. Uh, it would make a lot of sense to spend a second or third round pick on a guy like Jalen Tolbert. And Tolbert, I think you're with you, Chaps. Tolbert's a, day, a round two guy, uh, you know, worst case, you know, day two guy. And you grab him, and all of a sudden you give him two years to develop, and then you can move on from Michael Gallup, and you have CD on a big extension and Tolbert on the rookie deal. That's actually a pretty, uh, pretty ideal scenario. All right, we're gonna try and sneak this podcast in in under. Uh, it's not gonna happen. I can't get out in three seconds. Um, Plus, there's like an ad they'll be inserted anyway, so it's just over an hour. But that's that's not a bad not a bad pace for uh, for a, two full divisions and a robust, busty conversation about the NFL draft. Um, make sure you're reading CBSSports.com. Uh, the NFL draft coverage traps in Josh and of course Ryan Wilson do a fantastic job with it. Uh, at Chris Trapasso and at Edward yep. CBS, or is that Trapasso CBS? Did I get it right? Yeah, you got it right first time. There you go. All right, follow him on Twitter. Smash the like button. Thanks for doing this. Sorry you have to see so much of my face this time of year, but you guys are fun to talk to, and uh, it was a good time. For uh, Traps and Edwards, I'm Brinson. We will see you guys later. 
if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.